listening to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. it all out like we planned which parts of her role we're gonna move to who which people in the organization and we spent a bunch of time we meet weekly and on our agenda every week for probably months was training so it was like here's how I you know manage the sales team this is what I do it at their one-on-ones this is what I so it was a ton of planning even all the way back I'd say about 18 months ago when we were looking at our 2016 year, so last year, we had strategic, like our strategic plan had had projects in it that were about getting ready. Everyone who knows Fairware respects them immensely. A Vancouver-based distributor who helps their clients better engage with their customers, employees, and partners while reducing the impact on the world. Specializing in ethically sourced and environmentally responsible promotional products. They work with a range of clients, including Aveda, 7th Generation, Patagonia, Nature's Path, Hootsuite, UNICEF, and more. Fairware is led by CEO and co-founder Denise Tashro and Chief Operating Officer and co-founder Sarah White. Denise recently took a four-month sabbatical, and in this episode, Mark Graham, CommonSQ's co-founder and Chief Platform Officer explores the topic of taking extended time away from work, delving into the challenges, how to prepare, and most of all, what lessons were learned that will help their business going forward. Today's episode is courtesy of CommonSkew, the effortless business management platform that empowers you to process more orders and grow your business. For more information or to start your free trial, visit commonskew.com. So Denise, can you tell me a little bit about this idea that you had for a sabbatical yeah, I think it was something that was driven by my family. My wife and I thought about it 10 years ago, maybe when our kids were really young. We had a you know, two or three-year-old and a newborn, and thought, wouldn't it be awesome if we went on a big adventure at some point? And that, you know, the idea noodled around for a lot of years. And then I'd say four or five years ago, we started to get serious about if we're going to do it, when are we going to do it, and how how are we going to do it? So it was you know, it was a dream, like I think it is for a lot of folks, and then it became a plan. And and as such, we just started to whittle away at the steps we knew it would take to get there. So, you know, little savings, but the big one for me was revealing to Sarah that I wanted to go away for a sabbatical. And my wife wanted to go away for six months, and I thought two seemed fair, and so we kind of settled on four as a compromise. And then I had to look Sarah in the eye and say, I want to leave for four months. So um, that was probably, would you say four or five years ago, Sarah, that we, that I kind of came clean to the big dream. So it wasn't, it wasn't like I want to leave next week for four months. It was a long time ago that we started to talk about it, even as a team here. And and was there something about the makeup of your family, Denise, that allowed you to go from dream to reality, like the ages of your kids or just the state of each of your careers. Can you elaborate a little bit about that? I think it's a couple of things. We ch- like we were really mindful about when we wanted to go. We talked to a lot of families who had traveled from anywhere from a year to two months around ages of kids and, and landed on before high school was a good idea. So that's where that came from in terms of when my uh, eldest son was in grade seven, high school starts in grade eight in Vancouver. Yep. So that was kind of the rationale there. And then I think the makeup, and part of it comes down to the fact that I am a planner and like I plan, I probably already know what I'm doing on my summer vacation next year. I'm just that person. So once it became a reality, we, 
you know, I think having someone in the family that really is a logistician and a planner is useful. So um, started just figuring out how we were going to actually do it. Uh, Marnie is a consultant, so she was able to kind of unplug from her projects. And, you know, the great uncertainty was how the heck we were going to do it at Fairware, especially when we started talking about it because the team was smaller and it was hard to imagine leaving because Sarah and I were living in the weeds at that point. So, and, and I think that's a good segue. I want to I jump back and get into the details of the trip uh, Denise with you in just a moment, but I want to jump back to, to you, Sarah. So you're, you're the, you're this person who is back in the office, making sure the trains run on time. Um, what was life for you back in the office? Like while Denise was away having fun for four months, there's a couple of stories about that. Um, so when she left, it was kind of a perfect storm. Um, we had one person out, uh, with a concussion And another uh, staff member who was just coming back after um, an illness. So it was actually a a bit of craziness at first, but in some ways it was, uh, it, it was, it was good and bad because it really made us galvanize as a team. And uh, I had to really step in and step up and, and figure out how to, you know, manage, manage that piece. Um, So Eventually, it became, uh, you know, that that time sort of settled down. Uh, we figured out a way forward. Um, and then, it, you know, it became a routine. Um, and it was fine. I mean, it was it, it wasn't actually more stressful than I've had other more stressful times in the business than right. in that period. So if, if you look at so so before Denise left, um, can you describe what your roles in the company looked like in terms of what each of you did from a job function perspective? I, Sarah, you know, focus on systems, people, um, you know, I deal with all the company stores. So, so it's operations and, and people in a nutshell. Right. Yeah. And then I'm sales and marketing and, and supply chain. So that would sort of be where the line falls between the two of us. Right. So, so that, that's before you leave. And I know we'll get into, into this in terms of what your roles are like now that Denise is back. But so Sarah, take me back, you know, six months ago when Denise left. So she's sales marketing, she's managing supplier relationships, and then she drops off the face of the earth, so to speak. How did you replace her role for those four months, given that you're doing operations and people, which is a full-time job into, uh, unto itself? Well, we, and we can both speak to this. We, we planned a lot. So, uh, the pieces of, you know, I, I mean, there were, there were things that I just put on hold, uh, that were on my plate. Obviously I paid attention to our people a lot, (laughs) but more so than usual even. Uh, but there were things that I, that I put on hold and I, and projects and even, you know, things with clients that we tried to just sort of you know, move along or push forward or push into the future a bit. And, and we planned a lot, like in terms of supply chain, we, we have a consultant we work with, we had a system set up for how that was going to be managed and it, it ran. I mean, and in all aspects of what Denise did, you know, there were things that I took over directly sponsorships and uh, you know, some mar- and marketing pieces. Um, but we planned it all out. Like we planned, which parts of her role we're going to move to who, which people in the organization, 
Um, and we spent a bunch of time, we meet weekly and ev on our agenda every week for probably months was training. So it was like, here's how I, you know, manage the sales team. This is what I do at their one-on-ones. This is what I, so it was a time planning. Even all the way back, I'd say about 18 months ago, when we were looking at our 2016 year, so last year, we had strategic, like our strategic plan had, had projects in it that were about getting ready. You know, the, the supply chain one is the most obvious where we took everything out of my brain and put it in common skew and on spreadsheets and sort of, you know, made it more transparent and more accessible to our whole team so that I could leave. Because usually people would be like, what's this, the backstory on that supplier? And, and it's in my head. So we had to document and codify that. Um, you know, I think the biggest curveball, and I think where Sarah deserves an enormous amount of kudos, is we planned, we hired specific roles to take over. We, you know, we planned different people taking key accounts off of my plate because I was still doing account management. And then I leave and we have these conundrums on the staffing side in terms of these health issues. So our plan in terms of the warm bodies here to take over the role, like they weren't there. And so Sarah really had to juggle and step in and so did the rest of the team to just cover that point in time where because of health issues on the team, you know, the best laid plans, right? It just, it just wasn't there in the way we had planned it. Yeah. And, you know, at that point, I'm not going to look my family in the eye and say, sorry, you know, we have a concussion and a health issue. We're not going on our family dream vacation. So right. huge amount of kudos to Sarah and, and kind of mobilizing the team and, yeah. and uh, figuring out just how to get her done in some pretty trying circumstances for the first six or eight weeks. Let's uh, talk a little bit about the trip, Denise. Tell me about the trip. Where did you go and how long, or we know that you traveled for four months, but where did you go? Uh, like what were some of the highlights? I'd love just a, the macro view of what it is that you actually did. So we pulled the kids out of school in, in March at spring break and we came back in, in late July and uh, we spent the first six weeks or so uh, predominantly in Eastern Europe. So doing a lot of city, you know, Prague, Budapest, Berlin, we spent a fair chunk of time in Slovenia. Uh, and then in the middle of the trip, after about six weeks, we ended up in Israel for a while. And, you know, part of the trip was just to really connect as a family and go on a big epic adventure together. Um, part of the trip was around history and culture, and in particular Jewish culture, uh, as my son was turning 13. And that was important to us as a family. And, uh, and just to give our kids a chance, like, I feel like these are kind of formative years with a 10 and 12 year old to just have them understand what it means to be resilient and flexible and and what it means to have uh, the privilege that they have. And, and so, you know, we saw a lot, we did a lot, it was 12 countries. After Israel, we came back to Western Europe and did Spain and Italy and France and kind of ended the trip on a um, sailing charter in Croatia and the Adriatic. So. It was kind of an epic adventure and it was a real mix of history and culture as any trip to Europe would be. Um, it was all of our first times to Europe. Wow. And uh, and then there was a lot of adventure. We're a super active family. So, you know, we prioritize things like surfing and bike tours and hiking and paddle boarding. So, you know, we did a lot of adventurous stuff because that's just kind of how we roll as a family anyways. Um, but it was, you know, it was epic. It was an epic adventure to haul your family around Europe for four months in carry-on rolly luggage. Like, it yeah. was, uh, 
you know, it had its ups and downs, but overall it was pretty, pretty incredible. So Sarah, I, I want to, I, I want to jump back to, to Vancouver here while, while you're away. Um, I want to know what you learned about yourself as a leader while you were managing this operation by yourself for four months. I, well, it certainly occurred to me that I was a leader for sure. Um, <laughs> I think that, or maybe it, the thing that surprised you, of course you've, you know, we all know you're a leader, but are there elements of this time guess, in way that surprised you in terms of your ability to lead? Yeah, I, I, I think what I meant by that is that it, I realized that it was the culmination of years of years of being in this role and in a sense, putting it to a test. Yep. Um, and I think that I think what I learned about myself was that um, I really did have the ability to um, to step up and to um, to really identify what needs to be done, what the challenges are, and then figure it out and figure it out collaboratively uh, with the team. I got, you know, I got really good at decision making, I think. I mean, it wasn't like a huge surprise, but I guess in some ways I'm so used to like leaning over at my desk and going like, hey, Denise, what do you think about this? And it was just, I got to decide right now. I said to some people, it's kind of like when you're, you know, your spouse goes away and you have the kids on your own and you just like get, well, I won't say the word, but get stuff done and you just kind of decide and that's the way it's going to be because that's what I'm doing. And not that I changed things or did drastic things, but it was just this like, yep, got to do it. And I have to, you know, get rid of all the noise and, and not focus on that and just do what absolutely needs to be done to keep this train moving. Right. Were there moments where you checked in with one another? I, I mean, Denise, I, I remember you, I think about a month or so before you left, you sent me a note, or an email that said, if you need to contact me, here's my Gmail account. I won't be using fairware.com or at least reliably. So to, to me, that suggested that you really weren't working or really checked into the fairware business really at any degree. I mean, did the two of you have weekly check-ins that we didn't know about? Or Denise, were you really off the grid as it related to uh, Sarah and her running the business? I would say I was really off the grid. I think I was actually looking back in my calendar and I think that we talked maybe six or seven times in four months. So not, not even every two weeks, um, which was totally shocking to me and probably everybody here. Right because I'm not that person. Like I go to the cottage and I call every day and I'm on my phone on the dock and I just don't ever unplug from work. And Sarah, ironically, is great. Like when she goes on holidays, she goes on holidays. She's like got her act together and when you leave, you know what's outstanding and she's off and you know, it's like call her if you need her, otherwise you're not gonna hear from her. So right. she's great at doing that and I suck at doing that. So for me, I think it was quite surprising, but but I didn't. And I was even, you know, I was reflecting on it this morning. It, it's, it was even surprising the conversations we had, because we would talk about numbers quickly. We would talk about people and, you know, HR or anything that needed to be chatted about there, generally quickly, We'd, you know, brainstorm some things. And then we would just catch up. She'd ask me my trip and we'd, you know, she'd tell me a couple anecdotes. We'd talk about a client thing that had gone sideways or a client thing that we'd won or um, it actually you know, we had one month or maybe one six week period where the numbers were down and it was a little bit like anxious. And we had one conversation that felt like 
you know, we were really talking about work. And outside of that, um, it might be because by the end of the day, we were ahead of budget, you know, over 10%. And like these guys were killing it while I was away, that it made it really relaxed. And and I just stayed out of the weeds. Like it was really just check-ins. That was my experience of it. I mean, I call every time I called, I had a cocktail in my hand, so I might have a different memory. <laughs> well, I, I I wanted to slip in one quick one uh, quick question for you, Denise, and then I have got a question for you, Sarah, about the performance of the business. But so so Denise, you describe yourself as someone who goes away on vacation. You've got checking in on the dock, so to speak. Do you think that one of your goals for this trip was to see if Denise Tashiro could actually unplug and go on a four month vacation without checking in to work? You know, I think it was a little bit, but it wasn't like, oh, I'm going to really try and like change my behavior and be better at unplugging. It was just more like, I'm going to do it. I think it's going to take me four weeks. Like things like I, I said to myself, I will not check Slack. I will not check Slack. Right. Um, and I did check my emails, but probably only a couple times a week and, and barely read them and only occasionally forwarded them if I thought it was urgent. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. It just kind of, it wasn't necessarily a goal, but it happened. And I'm glad for it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's Sarah's side of the story because no, she's waving her hands no, right now. Being no, like, <laughs> I think it was, I was shocked because I, I, you know, I really wanted her to, but I wasn't sure she could. And I remember you saying to me in one of the first conversations, you said, I, my full-time job is like figuring out where we're staying next, what train we're going on, what bus we're going on. I'm busy. I have no time. Yeah. So it was kind of a forced Yeah, it was a little bit. It felt like I had another job. We'd get home in the evenings and, you know, we didn't have everything planned. So it was a lot of logistics and like, how are we getting to Greece or how are we getting to whatever? So you're right. It was, I felt busy while I was away in a way I wasn't expecting. I ask as someone who struggles with that myself, um, you know, I think that there's like this conflict because I can go away on either it's vacation or just time out of the office and know just by virtue of my technology setup, same technology setup as yours, that you can check in from wherever. And that gives like a huge amount of freedom uh, to to work, not necessarily in the office, but it also comes with a downside because it means that you may not be present for your family if you're on this vacation and you want to be hanging out with your kids and, you know, if you're email is hanging over you or slack or whatever is hanging over you then it's something that can get in the way so it's something that i i certainly have have struggled with and that's why i was curious about that question and it, it sounds like after four months like you really got into a routine where you were focused on the family and not having to worry about checking in back uh, back at the office and I, I think too like if i were to you know name one of my bigger takeaways as someone who is you know an extrovert has a big personality has had like a lot of the brand hang around me just by nature of being in the sales and marketing role so if you look at how sarah and i co-lead sarah really keeps fairware going and like that you know the back house is um you know her expertise and her specialty so it's not she's not always the face of the brand in the same way we are so i think there's a great opportunity to kind of crack that open a little bit and i think the way we co-lead moving forward will shift and has shifted and, and is shifting. But for me as someone who's just used to being at the kind of the, the face of the brand or at the front of the, the brand in that way, it's an incredibly like humbling experience 
to be able to walk away. And, you know, you kind of know in your belly that you trust your co-founder and you know in your belly that you trust your staff and that you think you've built a great team. But what this really did is tell me that I have an incredible co-founder. I have a, like, we have a solid team. Like we've done a good job on HR and, and to come back and just kind of like have a little more humility in it. It's like, I left, like I wasn't needed. Like there's that feeling of, you know, they're like way ahead of budget, like, decent six figures ahead of budget. Like it was a little bit like, should I just go back? Yeah. Like, should, do you need me anymore? Yeah, maybe. But it's, it's, it was a really good experience to just see that everything we've worked for um, either together, Sarah and I, or just, you know, and just to ha- as the, as that kind of leader that I am um, to be able to take a step back and just like kind of have this humbling experience of, you know, not only were they fine, like they thrived. It's not like they survived my sabbatical. It's like they kicked ass. So that's a really great thing. And it's a, it's a really just, you know, I sit with that a little bit and like, yeah, like it, it makes me think about the scalability of our business. It makes me think about like, what do we need to do to create the same systematization of Sarah's side of the business? So not only could she go away, but for example, we could scale the business and both go away if that's what we want to do. So, so to me, it was like just awesome on so many levels, but that was one that I wasn't maybe expecting to feel um, that I think is great. You know, it's a, it's a great takeaway for, for me. It's so exciting. And I think also a really inspirational story to other, other businesses. Um, So Sarah, let's talk about the financial performance of the business over the last four to five months. Um, How did Fairware do while Denise was away? Well, as I, you know, uh, relating back to the initial chaos, uh, you know, we were, when Denise left, things were looking good. In fact, they were really great. We just closed that first month off. It was like, yeah, this is so great. But part of what, what, what I did was try to fill in the gaps and for the people who were off, which meant that the people who were here were really stepping up and filling in, but they were also not working enough on their books. So then we kind of woke up a little bit later and it was like, oh my goodness, <laughs> we're in a big trouble situation here. So then it was again, it was like, all right, how do we deal with this? How do we get through this piece? And so, um, you know, we just, I just tried different things and, and, and managed to, you know, get, get all of us back on track without being, you know, becoming demoralized or feeling that we couldn't do it. Um, and then it just, once we kind of got into that hum of feeling like, all right, we're going to make it, we're going to make this quarter, like we're going to do fine. In fact, ooh, we're doing better. It just, it kind of just went from there. And uh, we, as Denise said, we, you know, we landed ahead of target for that, for the quarter uh, that she was away and, you know, it went well. And that, I mean, you know, from, from my point of view, it's, it, it, the fact that it went well, it's not like, oh, Sarah, you're so great, but you know, yes, I did a good but job, you are. but I am, <laughs> but it's, it, it just has, it's just given, uh, offered so much more opportunity because if Denise had come back and everything had been kind of a mess or the sales were way down, we wouldn't be in the same, I mean, we'll get to that, but we, we wouldn't be kind of moving in the direction that we right. are now. So let's talk about clients. So Denise, you, you know, you've said a few times on the podcast that you're you, you, this person who is associated with the brand, uh, at least to, to a large degree, uh, you've brought in a lot of the business. Not, you're obviously not the sole salesperson at Fairware, but you've brought in a lot of it over the years. 
and you had to tell your clients like, hey, I'm, I'm gone for four months if you want promotional items or, um, or programs and you're going to have to work with Sarah or someone else. Like what, what were they like? Were, were they um, uh, uh, as pleased with uh, the replacement or maybe more pleased with the replacement while you were gone? Like how did clients uh, take it um, or, or were they protective and, you know, struggled to deal with, uh, uh, with, with the new representative? You know, I, I think it kind of depends, but I think it also goes back to, you know, what, what I think they want and what they really want uh, might be two different things. So we had already started to wean ourselves off. Sarah and I, in I'd say the last two years, have really been trying to get out of the weeds and, and in particular trying to get me out of account management and her out of the, you know, kind of electronic weeds of, of managing some of the systems um, behind the scenes. And, you know, I was down to maybe seven accounts or so that I was actively managing, but they were our biggest accounts and some of our most reputable names and, and uh, most complex accounts. And, you know, I thought it would be difficult. And I think, you know, again, with some planning and foresight, something that Sarah and I are really focused on now is, is a role for ourselves that we're just, you know, calling for lack of a better term, kind of key relationship managers and so stepping out of the account management role creating a new role for ourselves where you know we have the lunches we check in we we go to the contract meetings or maybe the occasional product refresh meeting but we're not we're not there in the day-to-day and anymore so we had started to think about this role which i think kind of helped so it wasn't so much a sense of abandonment it was like okay here's your new account manager they're going to spend way more attention on you than i ever did because i just don't have the time they know it i know it but you'll also get myself or Sarah um, or both of us for these key connections. And like, we're not going to, um, you know, we're not going to abandon you. We might not do your quotes, but we'll take you out for lunch. And I, I think that that's going to work. And I, I think we have a sense that it's working and we've, you know, um, it's about defining new roles for ourselves. And, and I think the reality is the account managers did great because they are more attentive and responsive than I could ever be to yeah. those accounts. And it all comes back to trust, right? Like, if we're going to scale our brand, then we need to we need to be able to trust that our team can manage those big uh, those big key accounts for us. And I think they they proved it out. I mean, there's some of them that I haven't even connected with since I'm back, and that this kind of September work. But it'll be lunches, not what do you need for your yeah. next project. Yeah. Um, it'll be phone calls. It'll be just sort of higher level check in. So I think it was okay, and and it's it's been like to me, the greatest gift slash shift that I've had in my role here in a long, long time in terms of what I'm now doing, because I've come back and I would say that 50 to 60 plus percent of my job before I left was eaten up with account management work and that's gone. So it's pretty profound shift for me in terms of what I'm imagining my day job is here now. It's something Sarah and I have been chatting a bit about is, so how do you, if you can't automate things, you know, how do you systematize them? And that's a really good example is reminding ourselves that when we're onboarding that next new big client in those first conversations, frame it 
that there's going to be a handoff like oh yeah like we yeah we're the co-founders and this is what it's like this is the experience this is how we work here's how we think we're a fit we've got a great team of account managers you would have an account manager and an account coordinator like they'll be in on the next meeting if we if you think there's a fit like we'll bring that team in and we can start to da-da-da. and it's like it it changes your script it changes how you interact when you're out in the world trying to land new business if you have a process in place for that handoff. And I think to me, that's the big aha is it's, it's not just kind of like, Oh, this is interesting that this is happening. It's like, we want this to happen. How do we design it to happen? And how do we actually have the tools in place and the scripts in place to, to have the handoff. Right. And you know, it's, it's just been really interesting. It's changing how we're dealing with new clients. You know, Sarah and I have a call in a week or so with a big brand in the U S and it's like, We'll have the first phone call, and in that first phone call, they'll know that there's another team that will be their day-to-day people. It won't be us. And I don't think we used to do that. And then we'd get kind of hooked into these accounts and feel like we couldn't let go, or they didn't want to let go. So uh, it is interesting to take these ah ahas, but then how do you turn them into a process that's scalable and transferable? So so Fairware has been on common skew for the last couple of years, and I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about your experience with the platform, both good and bad, if applicable, um, while you were away, Denise, in terms of how you were able to, uh, Sarah, you were able to use the software to manage the time while Denise was away. And then Denise, while you were away, if there were moments where you felt more connected to the team because of the software. I mean, I can speak to a couple of things. I, I didn't, like I said, I didn't really work while I was away. I would say that I checked in on Common Skew on numbers. Like I know, like I'd get a note from Sarah saying, "Oh, we like we're kind of off this month, and like let's have a call." And so I'd take a look, or like, "Oh, we're way on this month," and I'd be like, "Oh, I wonder what's driving that." So I'd take a look from time to time, and it was incredible to be able to do that from you know a village in Greece or wherever it was. Um, I think for me, what was most useful in Common Skew was more around the pre-planning and uh, in particular, you know, Fairware is known for our particular niche around ethical sourcing and sustainable products. And what that means is we need to have a lot of supplier knowledge and product knowledge. And so in 2016, you know, we hired someone to help us out to take our approach and system of onboarding, onboarding, um, onboarding suppliers, our code of conduct process. And we integrated that using this um, vendor statuses. So we kind of hacked the statuses to reflect how we grade our suppliers vis-a-vis their social and environmental um, performance. And what that enabled us to do is again, get me out of the loop. I didn't have to check Slack because I wasn't getting those pings that said, what's the backstory on this supplier? The backstory was integrated into common skew in the vendor section. So that was the biggest weight off of my shoulders. And I think it's the, one of the big things that enabled me to go because it's one of the bigger roles I play here. So, so to me, it was almost like just the tool itself before I left and how we leveraged it more than how I used it when I was away. I don't know, Sarah, if you're, what your perspective yeah, on that I think would be. For sure, the, the piece around suppliers and the code of conduct was super useful because all the information, you know, anytime somebody needed me to, you know, check out a supplier, I said, you know, I speak to our consultant and she did all the updating in common skew. So that was great. Um, you know, I started to use it in a different way uh, and more intensely in terms of sales. So it was super critical to me to be able to dig around in those numbers and 
uh, every day. Uh, so that I found super uh, useful. And uh, as, as you know, we we've have a number of clients that uh, we do online stores for that uh, we've moved over to Shopify so they can integrate with Common SKU. So that was one I was working on as well. Well, getting another client onto that platform and that, you know, has made life so much easier for our team to, to have that integrated store right to common skew. Uh, that's, that's been a, a, you know, a great win for us. I, I want to get to this notion of time away and space away from the business. And, and, and I'm going to ask each of you this question. Maybe start with you, Denise. So you're away for four months. And, you know, surely this gave you the time and space to think creatively about fairware. Uh, I mean, to the extent you were thinking about fairware, given that you were unplugged. But I, I'm kind of curious as to whether you've now come back and think about the business in a bigger, more creative way or whether there were any big blue sky aha moments while you're away that you're now excited to implement now that you're back in Vancouver. Yeah, well, you know, the big one is coming home and having literally my my schedule open up to rethink how how you know how I do my work and what kind of work I want to do and what's going to be the greatest value add to the business now that I'm not doing you know tablecloth quotes um, so that's just exciting and it's been interesting to build out like what like what that might look like for myself and like what is the um, what does the model look like to, to scale? But one of the, one of the things we often do, I'd say every year we kind of have a theme or a word or something that we rally around. And sometimes it's simple. Like we had, you know, year of the phone call where it was like, just start calling people, stop sending them emails, you know? Um, or we might have margin that just everything we do is around margin. And this year, you know, the word that we've been talking about a lot is collaboration. And I'd say that was what kind of anchored my blue sky thinking is, what were some of the collaborative initiatives we were working on um, with either suppliers or competitors that I was excited about and noodling on while I was away or, or what, um, what could it look like? And, and so I'm thinking a lot about that. Like everything I'm thinking of right now tends to go through the lens of collaboration. So who are, um, who are the clients that we could collaborate with uh, in a unique or innovative way? Whom are the um, competitors that we could collaborate with in a unique, game-changing way? Who are the suppliers we could collaborate with? So it's it was cool to see what that space looked like. And then to come home, I think the biggest thing was to come home and feel like I'm not caught in the weeds again. So I think there's room and space to explore these ideas. And pick up the phone and call some of these people that I'm intrigued with uh, or inspired by to see how we might be able to collaborate more effectively. So, so yeah, I, it's, it definitely gave me space to think about it while I was away, but probably even more so coming home and realizing that um, the company is running great without me in the weeds is, is the most inspiring bit uh, in terms of like, what can we do? And I think, you know, I'll let Sarah answer, but I feel like, going into that, you know, she was able to leave some things behind and I think she probably identified a few weeds that she could get rid of now that she's been out of them for a while too. So I feel like we're both well positioned to just think about what's next um, in a way that we haven't thought right. about before. How about you, Sarah? You know, 
know, during that time, I think I, I did, you know, realize more things about myself. You know, I did land a significant uh, client um, and and had to put sort of a part of myself and, sort you know, skills into use that I probably hadn't used in a while. And it was like, oh, this is fun. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like this. And then it just made me think more about... And, and also just going out, I, you know, I really made sure that I was getting out to events and that Fairer's name was out and I went to conferences and I spoke a bit here and there and, you know, I made a concerted effort to do that, which is, you know, I do some, but Denise does more of it. So I, I was really, um, so anyway, the point of that is, is just realizing that it's an important role for me to yeah. be playing and, and, and I want to keep doing that. And I think what was what was really cool is when Denise got back, um, we like literally the week she got back or the week after we did like two five hour sessions. So we're like, okay, we just have to jump on this. Like, this is awesome. We're all psyched. We want to do things differently. Let's actually talk about it and plan it right now before we don't. So we booked room at the community center, you know, down the road and with our other, with our accountant here, who's part of our senior team. And we just did it. And it was fantastic that we did that. Cause I think it's really yeah. helped set us on this course of, you know, we're going to do things differently. Yeah, it was, that was a, that's a really good point. It was like this mid course correction for the year that just took everything we kind of learned in the moment. I mean, that's true in the first 10 days. Yeah. And it's like we kind of have a new strategy, even though it's the middle of the year for us, and we generally wouldn't do this in the middle of the year, but we did it. And I think it's really defining how we'll roll into 2018 and taking advantage right. of wins. Well, I, th I think as a way to close this off, I, I, I'm I, curious to understand what the future for Fairware looks like. I mean, obviously, you had this phenomenal experience. Well, Denise, you were away. The business thrived. Denise comes back to uh, uh, an even more successful company, which is which is no surprise with, with you, Sarah, at the helm. Denise, you're now in a slightly different role in terms of um, you know, more uh, um, aggressive business development. I, I'm curious to know what 2018, 2019 looks like for Fairware. You know, it's the, the classic, it's always about growth and we're going to grow. But, you know, I think that, I think we're, we're new into this kind of new place. Uh, and I think it's, you know, I believe it's going to achieve the kind of growth that we've always wanted to, uh, and scalability. Cause I think, I think we finally figured it out. No, it um, does. It feels like we have a model now. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, and part of that is some of what we put in place while I was away, but part of it is like, you know, the Shopify stores and like kind of moving towards a team that's just going to manage those types of accounts. And so we're sort of, yeah. we're doing some changes right now that I think it is. It's sort of like it feels in a way that it hasn't in the last, you know, 10 years or so that we've figured at least this next stage out. So now I think we can start to pile onto it and we'll, it'll naturally scale. I, mm -hmm. I'm really excited about the idea of collaboration and, you know, looking at, you know, people I've met over the last couple of years and connections that Sarah and I have made with the, you know, the, the, the people we admire are either in the supply chain or, um, you know, competitors and, 
you know, there's someone I met at SKUCon a couple of years ago and, and Sarah met her last year who works out of the UK, which she's like our doppelganger, like very ethics and supply chain and, and sustainability focused. And we chat all the time and we're looking for ways to collaborate and they help us manage um, our business in the EU. And we have clients who need stuff into Europe. Um, and I'm really excited about that, like more of that. And, and I think you'll see more of that from Fairware is really you know, for us, it's just not about growing the company. It's about growing the impact and like, how do we scale our mission? And we want everyone to do better. Um, so if that means partnering with bigger distributors to access accounts that we wouldn't necessarily have the scale to manage today, um, to enable them to drive their merchandise programs towards more sustainable or ethical outcomes, we're super psyched about that. If it's going in and collaborating on the supply chain side um, and doing audits with suppliers or um, developing product with suppliers. We're super yeah. excited about that. So I think it's just really about how do we ramp up our mission and, and uh, keep being profitable. I mean, we've had over 20% growth the last each year over the last three years. So we're for, for a mature company, we have pretty good growth, but I think we're really looking to kind of crank it up from there. I, I think a lot of a lot of people in the promotional industry um, have partnerships, whether they're um, husband and wife partners or they're just regular business partners. And and I'd be curious if you can think about two or three things, two or three pieces of advice that you'd give to partners listening to this podcast as to what makes the Fairware partnership successful. Well. It's, uh, it's definitely been a journey. I mean, I think that one thing is, you know, is, is, is never to make assumptions about each other and that until you actually really learn who they are, how they communicate, uh, like that's so critical. So that would be communication and, and, you know, kind of trust, trust and trust essentially. Abby, you, Denise. Obviously, the communication piece, I think then, you know, one thing that's been really helpful for Sarah and I is to continually check in on, like, who does what? Like, what are our roles? Who owns this? Who owns that? And, you know, it's interesting. We're going through our B Corp assessment, which is a, a framework to assess our social and environmental performance. And when we started out in the B Corp journey, I tended to drive it more and and you know, it's been interesting in the last like couple of years, few years, Sarah now owns that and it's in the perfect place. Cause it's, it's like, it's got to get done. It's like a train that has to run on time. There's a lot of, there's hundreds of questions and tons of data and it needs to be delegated and managed and project managed. And, you know, I think it's good. It's a good example of where what might've seemed like someone's accountability or role or strength at one point can shift over time and constantly checking and saying like, what, you know, not what were you good at 10 years ago, but what are you good at now? And like, how do you lead that? And what do I need to give up or shift? And so I think constantly checking in about roles and responsibilities and, and enabling people to have different, different opportunities. Um, you know, and the sabbatical was a great example of Sarah, like getting back into sales and marketing, she's super creative and, and has a lot of value to add there. So, you know, one of our things now is how do we crack that space open more so that she can plug in when either she wants to or we need her to bring that kind of her mojo into the into the process. Um, so, 
you know, one of the words that came out of the very, you know, we did a staff debrief was this idea, and I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was almost like this micro flexibility. Was that the word you guys came up with, or where? Mike, oh, it was like micro adjustment. Micro adjustments, and it's like letting everybody just shift subtly and like end up somewhere where they might not expect to, if it's in the greater good of getting the job or the project or our mission achieved. And I think that's been a good reminder because I think we've gotten a little rigid around rules mm-hmm. and responsibilities mm-hmm. and I've kind of enjoyed coming back and, and, you know, I'm not the most flexible person. So, so learning to be a little more flexible to go with the flow with my team and, and seeing that that has been part of our success. So I think it's important for business partners to remind each other that uh, it's good to, to truth test what it is you think you do for the company together. Yeah, I think that, you know, just following up on that, it's, you know, usually uh, a partnership has people who are, you know, have opposite skill sets and opposite personalities and, and be able to kind of mine the gold of that without being rigid, you know, without saying like, I'm good at this, you do that and I'm going to do this. But there's actually something incredibly powerful and, um, amazing if you can get past that like rigidity and you know sometimes competitiveness or Mm -hmm. those things so that you actually find the sweet spot of where you both meet like you go off and do your own things you're good at but then where's that sweet spot where you where you you find the gold of what you both bring to the table and I think that's kind of the point after this whole experience I think that's the point that we're coming to which is super exciting Mm -hmm. wow well, Denise and Sarah, this has been an absolutely epic conversation. We covered everything from uh, sabbaticals to managing the business on the home front to uh, geeking out over systems and metrics. And uh, my head is certainly swimming with lots of uh, neat ideas. And uh, really want to thank you for taking the time to to uh, to share your wisdom and knowledge with us. Sounds good. You should all go on sabbatical. Yeah, let's do yeah. it. See you in Europe in 2018. Let's do it. <laughs> Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends. Thanks so much for listening. Mm-hmm.